0: Thanks for listening to the Stimulate Run podcast. If you like what you hear, remember to subscribe, leave a rating and a review. If you would like to get in touch or have future guest suggestions, please make contact via email or slide into DMs on any of the social channels. Here's your host Erwin with this episode's guest. Hey guys, firstly, before this episode kicks off, I just wanted to jump on and say that it's great to be back. Sorry about the little delay, we had an addition to our household so that's kind of took a bit of precedent and a bit of time off my hands to jump on and do some episodes but we're looking forward to jump back in for the rest of the year and get some great guests lined up already. Um, Also on this episode, you're about to have a sneak peek into probably what happens in most households uh, at night and that is the juggle to get some homework done. So for some reason, the audio... Uh, took in some of the nightly book reading. So hopefully you enjoy that, but uh, it was not on purpose and it won't be a regular feature. So apologies for the break in transmission halfway through, but the episode then gets back on track after that. So hope you enjoy the episode with Nick Bester and keep your eyes out and there'll be more episodes dropping soon. All right, everybody. Uh, this gentleman, I was telling him before I hit record that I've been meaning to send the email to invite him for a chat for about four years. So you look at the endurance sport resume of him, um, and I think it speaks for itself. He, his, I think one of his nicknames that he was given was the Iron Man. Um, so you know, the Asterman is the uh, the nickname that he was given. And he smiles now because I think he well and truly still owns that title. He looks like he could go out and still run a 531 comrades. Um, but he's a former paratrooper, multi doozy canoe race winner, triathlon finisher, comrades gold medalist. Um, welcome, Nick Bester. Well,
1: good morning, and yeah, good afternoon. This morning is still with us. I don't know what time it is today, but hello, thank you.
0: So, as I mentioned, I think the the nickname precedes the athlete. And those of you that would know Nick now currently and even follow him on Strava, you still get out for your daily ride, Nick. Um, And I I think we're going to enjoy unpacking your life as the athlete, the person, the mental ability as well, which I'm fascinated to hear about. But do you want to kind of take us all the way back to the start as to where? endurance sport came into your life?
1: Okay, firstly, yeah, one of your favorite sports, I don't know how big is rugby in Australia. I know the Wallabies is a big opponent for Springboks. We always want to be the Wallabies and the All Blacks. Um, I grew up in a house where rugby was a big sport because in South Africa, uh, all the youngsters have to play rugby, and that was our game. We, we, the, the Springboks were yellows. And I decided when I was born, my father was Playing prop for the first team in the town he was living uh, in, in West. He was 42 years old, st- still playing first team prop. And my brother, which was 19 at that stage, was playing the same team as flyoff. So there's two of them was playing in the same team, father and son, rugby. And Saturdays, we went to the rugby field. I was seven years old, six, seven years old, and then I was playing ball boy. when they kicked the ball out i was running to fetch the ball and give it back to the players to throw throw in and um, at the same time I that's yes uh all the cold drinks you're buying was out of uh, um, 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 glass bottles and Mm -hmm. if you give that glass bottle back to the people where you bought it from you get two cents a two cents in South African is very, very little at this stage. In, in, in Australian dollars, it's even uh, <laughs> six to seven times less. But anyways, <laughs> I was collecting the balls, and in between I was collecting uh, glass bottles, taking back to the people where they sold it to, and then uh, uh, giving myself some money. So I decided to become a rugby springbok. I played all the years, I tried my best uh, in my school. I was not playing bad rugby, uh, but uh, after school, I keep on playing rugby uh, for uh, for a couple of months. Then I went to the Parabats Army for two years. I came back uh, out of the Parabats when I was 21 years old, still playing rugby to become a rugby springbok. But I never choose, they never choose me to become a rugby springbok. Uh I played reasonably good rugby, but not good enough to become a Springbok. In any case, uh, at the age of 24, I decided, but I must feel maybe I'm just getting fitter. Uh, and, and playing, and then I was playing better rugby. So I was start running to the rugby practice. It was four Ks to the, to, to the running practice and four Ks home. So I started running four kilometers before the, for the uh, training session and four kilometers afterwards. And then a friend of mine entered me for a road race at the age of 24. And there were 6,000 competitors and I, I finished 28 in that race because it, it was only eight kilometer, very eight, very nearly eight kilometer. And I finished uh, uh, 28 in the race, and then he said, "Yeah, but uh, the next race coming up is a 50 kilometer." So we run it. They said, "Yes, let's run it." So my second, my first race was 8 kilometer. My second one was 50 kilometer. It was two, three months after the 8, I finished quite well there. And then he told me, "There's a 100k coming up. Let's run it." So my third race was a 100 kilometer within four months of starting to run at the age of 24. 100k was a South African championships it was run on a track uh they said we're gonna run uh 200 times times uh 200 times around a 500 meter track In the night there's the race start eight o'clock at night and as we arrived they said this there's, there's a small hiccup they couldn't measure 500 meters we couldn't get 500 meters out on the grass so the the, the, the track is only you no know, 400 meters long so we're not going to run two hours two 200 laps anymore, well, we're going to 250 laps. And that is all meaning of your mind, but fine. I it's not a problem for me. I ran and I finished eight. Louis Harmsen broke this South African uh, 100 kilometer record that night to 6.58. And that was way back in 1984. Um, yeah, so from there on, it just, I see I'm not a rapid player. I'm not going to become a rapid springbok. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a runner i'm a runner that's how i discovered that 1824 i'm actually a
0: runner. and then from there how did you kind of also then realize you had something special you know did you leave there going i can't do this but or did you leave there going i can do this but i can be really good at this
1: yeah you see when, as soon as i realize i'm not going to become a springbok a rugby player i aim my next goal, I want to win the Comrades Marathon. That's what I thought in my head. I'm a runner now, so I'm going to do the best that we can. At that stage, South Africa was isolated from international sport. So uh, all the ultra-distance events in South Africa was attracting huge, um, uh, uh, huge publicity and television exposure. Like the Comrades Marathon, live on television for 11 hours. The Doozy Canoe Marathon it's a three-day uh, doozy, uh, uh, canoe race of 120 kilometers also between Peter Marisburg and Durban, but you do it on a river. And some stages, you run with your canoe because you have to cross a mountain. It's easier to run around a mountain than doing all the rapids around the mountain. So you run with your canoe about 25 kilometers a day on the first day of the doozy. You carry it on your shoulder. Then the second day, you run later. you run about 15 ks You can decide if you want to run or paddle. Paddle will take you, longer run will be harder so if you're a good runner you take the running option you run over the mountain you don't have a look around the mountain and in any case and that uh, and then also the midma mile was the iconic races of Africa. you have to swim the midma mile uh, the Argus cycling tour it's, it's it's close to 100 kilometers um that to call uh, all become iconic races that was live on television because our athletes were not allowed to compete internationally so there's no international sports show in TV because we have no athletes in international uh, events. All these mega ultra distance races was the aim of the South African public, and you become a hero if you're doing well in these races. And I was aiming, well, I was competing in these races. So when I started to train for Comrades, um, that actually just before I ran my first comet, a friend of mine asked me to second him for the Man, And in those years, we were allowed to run with a guy when he was doing his 42k run. But it was canoe Ironman in our days. He was not swim You canoe 25 kilometers, then you bike 120 kilometers, and then you run the marathon, 42. So he was uh, canoeing, and then on the run, I was running with him the whole way, carrying buckets of water and ice, bouncing his limb down, giving squeezes, and at one stage, I, I realized I have to feed my myself some uh, energy gel because yeah. I, I'm retired now because I'm running the whole way with this guy. So he finished the Ironman. And then he told me, but now he's training for comrades. And I said, comrades, okay, I'll fast, comrades. And he told me it's 90 kilometers. And he told me, um, let's go and train for comrades. I said, fine. He said, meet me Saturday at my work because I'm going to work till about 11 o'clock. And then we, we, we're going to run 80 kilometers, 24 comrades. We're running to a town outside Victoria called Kaliman. And that was my first kind of longest uh, run after, after my 100k. So we were running, uh, it was about 40 kilometers to the town. And uh, we bought a Coke and some water in, in, in a little town. We sat in the stoop of the cafe, and then we went back to Victoria. But then it was already late. It was dark. It was 8 o'clock in the afternoon. And those years, there was no uh, cell phone. So yeah. a little bit of money we left. We went, uh, we, we, we approached Pittoria. We're running to the first, you call it the tiki box. I don't know what you call it in, the, in your your days. It's, 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 it's a telephone place where you put money in and you can call from there. And we found our wives to come as collectors at that specific place. So that was my first run journey for comrades. It was 80 kilometers drinking uh, one Coke and a water halfway. And that's it because it was in between nowhere. There was nothing else to wear, no way else to drink water. So that is how my mental approach worked. When I do something, I don't think of the stumble blocks or the uh, drawbacks or I just think about the end goal mm-hmm. you know let's collect comments yes let's win it let's uh play rugby. yes let's become a let, let, let me become a rugby springbok although I never achieved that uh when I started to doing ironman then I also started doing triathlon, because this guy was was my friend and he introduced me to paraathlons I decided'm i gonna win ironman I want ironman in South Africa then I want a South African triathlon championships I want to South African do athlon championships run bike run and i, I want everything that i uh, that i put my mind on to. and i think it's everything in the mind your mind is very very strong and your body is also strong but your body is weak so your body doesn't want to do the work your mind tell your body to do something your body will follow but first you must believe in something you must be 150 sure you can achieve your goal then the body will follow obviously you you have to do all the things that you have to, 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 to win the commerce. you have to train a lot, you have to go to gym, you have to stretch, you have to eat well, you have to sleep well. You are only allowed to drink ideas per night, not more. You have to, you have to do all the things to make you know to, 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 to make your uh, mind believe that you're gonna win the race. You can't just uh, believe you're gonna achieve something and then you don't do the things that, that uh actually allow your body to adapt to the challenges that are coming up that that uh, the race or the specific goal is throwing up to you. Um I can also just say that um all my career I was reading a lot and experimenting a lot with everything that I read. I read a lot of uh, training uh, Joe, Jeff Galloway's book. I, I I read some notes book. I read uh, Bruce Falleich's training. How he trained for comrades. And I experimented on everything. Even dieting and foods and stuff, what to eat and not to eat. I experimented with carbs. And then I feel this and I don't feel well. And I see if I eat meat and fats uh, leading up to a race, I feel much better than just eating carbs. So in 1988, when I was approached by a company, Voltar and Emelgel, they said they're going to sponsor a a series of events in South Africa. Uh, They want me to compete in the events. Uh, At that stage, I was just an upcoming athlete in 87. I was just starting all these things. I was doing well my first comrades was 68, and then in 87 I came 25th. And this people, our approach and say, I must do the Ultraman for the next year. They will pay me a kind of retainer. I must compete in the man. Now the Ultraman consists out of, you must run the co- in one year. You must run the Comrade Marathon, 90k. You must run the Two Oceans Marathon, uh, Marathon 56km. You must run the city to city that's 50km. Then you must do the Man. Uh, that's canoe uh, bike run, you must swim the my mouth. you must paddle to do the canoe marathon, you must cycle the Argus uh, race, that's 90 kilometers, you must cycle a race in Victoria, 160 kilometers, and then the combined total time in one year, that's the Ultraman. So the University oh. of Tuck in Victoria, they here, yeah, I'm going to do the Ultraman, so invited me to come and do some tests at their labs in Victoria. So I went for tests, and they asked all questions, and they asked me what I'm eating, and I told them I'm eating uh, a lot of meat, proteins, a lot of fats, and I force feed myself with junk food. I call vegetables and fruits junk food, because I don't like them, <laughs> but I know I have to eat it to be healthy. Um, so they sent this diet then to Professor Tim you know, You know Professor Tim Nux. Yes, yes. Uh, he told you, he, he phoned him back and tell them to tell me that is 1987. Please tell that guy he won't finish Ultraman on that diet, he won't finish it. So I went on a one Ultraman four years in a row on that. Diet. <laughs> and now, I don't know if you know the new thinking of the professor, total now, opposite. Yes, yes, but now also there's a small. Uh, thingy that we that we, that we do wrong. We just believe in fats and proteins. You can go fast and you become strong on fats and proteins, but you can't go fast on fats and proteins. You need carbohydrates to go fast. If your pulse rate go above 85 to 90 percent of your maximum pulse rate, you're drawing you're just using carbohydrates and sugar for energy. Then you're not not so much on fats, a little bit on fats, but it depends on how much your body is adapted adapted to fats. So you need the carbohydrates to go fast, especially on upheels and on fast stretches and and, and your body switches to, 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 to glycogen, muscle glycogen and to carbohydrates. And that's why you need carbohydrates as well. So a balanced diet is still the way to go with a little bit of more carbohydrates two and a half days before the race. I still believe in that. I still feel it. And even now, on my, uh, after I retired in 2004, um, I can tell you why I retired, you can go into death, annual if you want to. Um, I was feeling that running is very jarring on the body. It's a very jarring sport and it's hurting my body. You know, I've done a a lot of uh, uh, kilometers running wise. I calculated that it was more more than 140,000 kilometers I ran him alive. So I switched more to biking and canoeing and jamming. And coming back to the diet, what I put in, in my bottles these days is a combination of fats, proteins, and carbohydrates um, uh, when I'm going on a long ride. And also what I eat before, uh, uh, you know, I eat uh, carbohydrates, fats, and protein before I go on a long ride. And 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 I think that is, is, is specifically because I tried everything. That is working for my, for my body. I can feel my insulin levels stay stable. I can go for long. I can go far. I can go hard. I've got everything for the fats to go far. I've got the carbohydrates. If I hit a heel, and my pulse have to go up. And I've got the protein that makes me strong and rebuild muscle for the next training session tomorrow.
0: Your, um, your counterparts often said that you were the fiercest competitor like the likes of Fordyce, Mateus, and I've had them on for a chat. They just always said, whenever you were around, the race was never over. Um, where does this ability come from? You know, they talk about the central governor and the central governor theory, that man sitting on your shoulder. You seem to have the ability to push that man back where majority of people and even some professional athletes can't. What Can you share some of the techniques maybe even in training that you installed, or were you just born that way
1: yeah i think um it's a kind of a sad story i think how i grow up or grew up in my life also maybe contributed to the mental toughness that i've got um i can go just a little bit into that uh, i didn't grow up well um i was born uh, when was this, my father was playing rugby, my brother was in the same team. Uh, my father had, a, he was, he had a garage, he he, he then not he has borrowed money from the banks and he's got a garage in town uh, 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 where you repair motor cars. Uh, during the day, he was a mechanic. Then at night, we bought a farm as well with cattle, we plant meetings, we plant uh, um Quirin, what is cool uh, when you make break with and uh and we plant a lot of stuff, we had sheep, we had cows, cattle, we had uh, horses, everything. Uh and that was all in borrowed money. So those, those years the land bunkers were applicable, easy borrowed money for farmers that want to start a farm and 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 but unfortunately on the way uh when I was seven, uh we all were involved in um terrible car accident, and my father died. I broke my uh, neck, some uh, bones my neck. I've got no chest. Yeah, this chest is Denny's. I've got only one chest, Um, but the the, the sad story was uh, my mother and my sister was in hospital for long. I came out of hospital. Before them. I had to live from family to family, traveling around from school to school my mother and my sister came out and the farm and everything was sold uh to get somebody the 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 bank won the money so we ended up with nothing so we had nothing my mother and myself was living with people and then we moved to another people so i always say i like i went to five different primary schools seven times because at one stage, I went back to the same school, and then we moved away to another school. Then I went back to the, another same school. So I, I moved seven times in my, uh, in our school, you, you start with grade one, grade two, and then standard one, two, three, four, and five. In those five years, uh, I was in seven schools, seven different schools, but one was repeated two of them, was repeated. so we moved around, and then after that as well, uh, my mother remarried, and when I was in Standard 8, in Clarksdorf, we moved to Clarkstock then. And my father died on the 8th of April in a motor accident, 1968. And then the 9th of April, that new husband of my mother died in a motor accident, 12 years old. Wow. So we said that we have to move again. We went to, uh, in Clarksdorf, we just tried to finish my uh, year there. And, yeah, when I went and worked in the mines, the day I put my pen down in Matrix standard thing in South Africa, the next day I started working in a mine of wind uh, as a sampler and conveyor. So I learn you how to uh, sample and to convey, how to do the conveying and etc. So yeah, we move again and um, I was then after that, I went two years to the Parabats, to the army, and they also it's about fast fight. To, be, to become a parabat you must have fast fight. What, you, you must go through a lot of tests to be able to be parabat And the the years that we be in the Parabats, we were operational a lot of times. Uh, we uh, that was that was compulsory in the government at that stage. You have to go to the army two years, and that then you have to go and fight on the border. Not on a board inside Angola and in those places. At the, at the mm-hmm. age of 18, you see all those things, and so I uh, want to come back, I think my mental toughness is growing apart. I, I just know that uh, nothing was a problem for me. You know, I always accept. You know, we're going to move again. Yeah, let's move. it's easy to move. Of course, I only packed one bag of 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 of, of 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 clothing, and we move. It's all I, I've got. at that stage. so I. I think that helped to the mental toughness that I use later in my sport because I never see anything as a problem. Um, I came back out of the army still tried to become a rugby string ball, playing rugby from the age of 21 to 24 and then I met my wife in uh, Durban. She was on holiday holiday in Durban and I was on, uh, on I just came out of the army was my Uh, celebration, two years in the army, and I moved to Victoria, where I started at a furniture shop, becoming an internal auditor, and then from there on I started my own business, and then from there on I started running, and then everything became more positive in my life, and I actually became part of a family, and more stability in my life, and uh, yeah, like I, I, I gave a speech the other day, you know, the age of 24, I moved 23 times. <laughs> so that is, that is I think that helped me in my mental uh, toughness to a race Before, because when I entered a race, I just decided that nothing can be as tough as I already have. Doesn't matter. And if I run a, 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 another comrades, I just think about the previous one. This one can't be as bad as the previous one because the comrades are always tough. It's always hard. It's always a a, a mental fight and a body that's feeling up your your body feel like falling apart. After sixty kilometers, I can just tell you that if you weigh, I I was I was too big actually for a runner because I was in between. I I weighed seventy two kilograms when I was at my base speaking for comrades, where my competitors pre-qualified thirty six. Uh Matthias was 58 kilograms, Jet uh Mark Bakes 56, Jetman Masutu, 49. Tetty who won this year is 47 kilograms. Uh Edward Mutibi won a previous year was 48 kilograms. So I'm coming in congratulations as too heavy, 72. And they said, you yeah. are gonna count it, again. but I was strong. It was it was 72 uh, kilograms of, 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 of strength. Um so all these stumble blocks, I just put behind me and I, I make a possible thing out of that, you know. And, and, and I was one of the strongest heel runners. I don't want to uh, you know, I was looking forward to a heel coming because I know I'm going to grind my my competitors. So coming back to the training and the mental attitude, yeah, how I did it, I also implemented a psychiatrist to help me prepare for the race. So with rehearsal, it's easy. If you've been there before, uh, I can explain it this way. If somebody in the olden days without a cell phone, without Google Maps, without explaining how to get to their house, they tell you on the telephone you must drive to Victoria, then you turn left at this street, right at that one, left. The first time you go to their house, you haven't been there before, you're going to get lost two or three times. The second time, maybe take one wrong turn, but the third time, you're going to drive exactly to this spot. So that is also what you did with comrades, rehearsing the race before the time. Working on the mental preparation for the race is to rehearsal what's going to happen in the race. And I'm working with a psychiatrist and we always have different plans for different races. Let's work on a one I one in 1991. He asked me what was my weak points. I told him, well, first, my strong points. I told him I'm very strong on you. I, I say, what you think immediately if you see uh, strength and you see power and I was thinking like the ox dragging a wagon wagon he said okay as soon as you're hitting a hill you're going to change into a strong ox dragging a wagon up hill and you're going to be strong let's make that strong point stronger so what's your weak points and I told him running downhill because I'm a little bit heavier than the others I'm so hitting the ground very hard coming back to the other body the comrades breaking your body you give about 800 steps per kilometer. Putting your feet down 800 times per kilometer times 90 kilometers is 72,000 times you're putting your feet hard down on the ground. Your body impact is four times of your body weight when you're running at four meters a kilometer. Four, four meters a kilometer. So you're putting yeah. 360 kilograms every time on each leg 72,000 times when you're running the combat. So that is a hammering your body is taking. Like everything is, uh, and, and it's not the fastest guy who's winning comrades to the guy who can endure the pain. You never get tired. The, the, the fitness we've got, you never get tired. You just get sore and uncomfortable and stuff. You have, you must handle that. But coming back now, he was asking me what are my weak points. And I told you running downhill. I said, okay, what do you see how you want to go downhill? I say I want to. Uh, Swerve like an eagle. You say, okay, yes, let as we do the downhill. You become an eagle visually. We, 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 uh, uh, we worked that into my training and every time I'm running downhill, I saw an eagle going in the air, gradually uh, just swerving in the air downhill. See, okay, what we also do is we build, uh, what, is, what, what happened in comrades, I just told you, comrades is a lot about pain. So what we did is to kill the pain in my body is, I put my daughter at the finish line, dressed in red colors, and I visualized a red pipe. I know the commerce very well. It was, say, the down run when I won 91. At the finish in uh, Durban, my daughter was was there with a red pipe connected to a left toe, running on the route, uh, going down uh, 45th cutting, going down Cowies Hill, Drummond, Quota's Hill, uh, um, uh, body shorts right where I was at the start in Peter Marisburg at at, at at the town hall going into my left pole that, that red pipe. As soon as I experienced pain, I was drawing a painkiller. Was, she, she was pumping in that red pipe going into my toe and killing the pain in my body. Literally. Then the power. My son was dressed in blue at the start and finished and I visualising pumping uh, more power in that blue pipe that was attached to his toe going into my right tail. So that is how killing the pain, uh, visually, uh, uh, mentally. It's with this red pipe pumping, uh, a pain killing into my body and the blue pipe pumping power into, into my body. That is one of the, uh, the, the things that we use for that specific commerce. There's all different kinds of stuff, but also for the 100 kilometer world champs in Belgium. Uh, my psychiatrist asked me, "Now, what is my stumble block for this race?" I told him, this it's going to be boring because it's ten times, ten loops, and every loop has got about 45 turns. So at one stage you're running on grass, then on trimac, tarmac, then on asphalt. Then you're running through a castle. Then you uh, make a 270 turn around uh, a circle, and and and." And he said, okay, wait, well, let's make it very easy. And I told him it's boring. It's 10 times 10 kilometers can be very boring and tough on the mile. I said, very easy. What we do is so on a start line, Mark Bates was with me in the bus. And he asked me what time I'm going for. And that stage the world record was 618 for the 100 kilometer. I told him, Mark, let's go for the world record. I'm going for the world record, 620. He said, That's my time as well. Let's run together. So it means you have to go through three ten at halfway, 50 guys." Three hours ten. But coming back to my psychiatrist, he told me Nick so what we do is when you start at the start, standing at the start line, you look at the start, and the start will be red, and if you start running, the road, will, the road will be red, if you look at the trees, it will be red, the trees and the people will be red, and your competitors will be red, but as soon as you completed the first 10 kilometers, anything will turn to pink. so it won't be the same Lap again. It will be something different. It won't be boring. And then he changed to orange. And then he changed to purple. And they so said every 10 kilometers was another color. And that is how I used my mind to be uh, uh, to, to get over that boringness of 10 times 10 kilometers. And coming back to the race, so me and Mark Bice was running together. And as we went through the 50 kilometer kilometers, the clock was exactly three hours and ten minutes. And I told him, Mark, yes, we're we are on time. We're we on time for the world record. We're on time. We're we 100% correct. And Mark told me, Yeah, but my legs are sore. I told Mark, But it's obvious. You've just run 50 kilometers at world record pace, your legs must be sore. And five kilometers later, he stopped. He was out of balance. <laughs> so you see, that is a <laughs> brilliant athlete. And you say, oh, I knew you, you're going to be sore. I knew I expected you to be so and, and and my mind was already here to be so. But anyway, to finish that race quickly, uh I was experimenting with magnesium and uh, the upset stomach and things was not going so well, the second half, but I was carrying keep on running, and one of my friends that was in the race, he was not part of the South African team. He was 18 one year so when I completed 90 kilometers, he completed 80. So I left him. Uh, think I think guys, uh, I passing you on, and he asked me, How's it going? So, my stomach was really bad. And it's maybe not to tell on the camera, but in any case, uh, as I passing him, he, uh, I splashed on his shoe, <laughs> my stomach. <laughs> That's how bad my stomach was. I missed on his shoe, and you will never forget. So, the last
0: question was. <laughs>
1: Really no. Where do you think no. the dogs went? I the street. I was pushing the room. the where? Sheep Sheep Yeah, if you want to see how I can see it into the salon. Wolf, Us group hopefully are. Uh, 1990. great gr- gr- thing.
0: I? am so really sorry for that, Sean, but a salon is for sheep only. Bah, 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 Pete said firmly.
1: There's yeah, somebody talking the with a right,
0: He says. There's no reason why sheepdogs can't look gorgeous.
1: Too. Can Sean had just been curling through the door. Where's
0: okay. my dog, brute, tiny,
1: bane? They bellowed. There's other people on the line. Can you hear it? Can you? Hmm. Okay, they're gone now.
0: Okay, (laughs) that's strange. They're
1: gone now. Can you hear
0: me? Yeah, I can definitely hear you.
1: Okay. So, my mental preparation for the 1997 comrades was that uh, I will become a kamikaze pilot. And that means I have to reach my goal first, even if I die, like a kamikaze pilot hitting a target with his plane. And he died in an explosion. That is my mental preparation. You can Google that on YouTube. Put my name, Nick Pester, mm. 97 commerce marathon mental preparation, and then you'll get the insight of how I prepare mentally for any for every, every race. So I think my my strong, my strength was was, was I, I never see a problem as a problem. I always try to use and I get get around the stumble block. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I was going to actually recommend the, uh, the YouTube video. It's it's fascinating. I've watched it a couple of times. Um, did you race by feel? Um, and interestingly, I think there was... A, was there a story where you were running a Comrades and you then just looked at your heart rate because you were wearing a heart rate monitor and kind of uh, sat back a little bit due to that?
1: Yeah, I was invited by... Uh... A guy in Switzerland um, in 90, I must just keep the year correct. 1988. So I just finished a commerce and invited me to uh or was it the yeah, but yeah, but what was between nineteen eighty-eight and nineteen ninety. The Swiss double Alpine marathon. So that is a 72 kilometer race that you run in the mountains of Swiss Alps at one stage is so steep that you grab the uh, little bit of grass that's on the side of the mountain to pull you up. Uh, it is it, it's, 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 uh, you climbing up to, to 2,700 meters above sea level and it is a trail race running on tarmac and asphalt and they also trail in the mountains and, and, and um, ID seven, it was, it was. yeah, competitive mm-hmm. But any guys, we were still banned internationally. we were not allowed to compete, but they get me in there. And that day, Charlie Dole won the race. And Peter Cameron said came second, and I was third in the race. But that was just one and a half months after comrades. So I was still tired of comrades. Not I don't want to use the excuse. Charlie so ran a brilliant race that day. Um, and uh, I invited him to comrades, Salidol, and I invited Peter Cameron to comrades, and that's all he did. Saliol won one in 1993. Peter, uh, Peter um, the other guy, um, he was a couple in a couple of gold medals in, in comrades, but he comes back to the heart rate monitor. There was a guy in Switzerland who invited me and paid my cost to the race. He gave me a pulse a, a, a right monitor thing um, that I brought back to South Africa. And I, I was kind of the first in South Africa experimenting with a pulse right monitor. At that stage, he was wearing the monitor on your arm. But from the yeah. monitor, there was an uh, electric cable and attached to a finger root. So it's taking your pulse from, 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 from from, from your finger. Ah. Uh. Not so accurate. But I started experimenting with, with the pulse monitor. And then when to Salazar came in 1994 to compete in a common marathon, I stick, I ran according to my pulse rate monitor, but I made a mistake because I didn't take into consideration when you're racing, your pulse is automatically higher because of certain factors and 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 I was strictly just running on my pulse. And um at the halfway mark, I was 13 minutes already behind Alberto Cerazar. And then I decided to forget about the pulse rate monitor and I just ran back at you. And I I <laughs> I, I, I lost the race by by a mere three minutes from Alberto, I nearly caught him. I ran the last eight case. Uh probably short included. 28 minutes, 10 seconds, that's two YouTube included, and and then so you're coming back. You're asking me, I race like I feel. Yes, I race like I feel, but I also race according to my race plan. And I always give everything. I never held that I always say you're a winner if you know at the end of the day you've given your best. If you came third or fourth or fifth and you did give your best, then you know you've won. So I never held back anything except that rate when I used a cold rate monitor very specifically in 1994 when I lost to Abarth to Salazar. Uh, the rest of the times I, I race according to how I feel, how I planned, uh, and then um, as, as as hard as possible. Even now on the bike, on the cycling, then I still do it. Even I tell myself I'm going out for an easy training ride, then I see a Strava section, then I just go out. I forget about my plans that didn't make it easy. So I was always, uh, no regrets. Uh, I will always say, okay, coming back to injuries, uh, why, you, 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 I can tell you why I retired. Uh, in the year 2000, we were running a down comrades and at 21 kilometers into the race. And, and, and yeah, I just wanna say never give up, never give up, never give up in a race. But that's, that's where, yeah. At 21 kilometers, I felt a sudden pain in my knee. And I know, know somebody terrible was know something terrible was, what was wrong with me. So I kept on running and I, and I, and I ran to Charles. And Charles came to me and told me he popped his uh, Achilles. He hurt his Achilles snap and he's, he's got a terrible pain in Achilles. He knows he's going to bail the race. And I tell him also my knee is gone. I don't know what's wrong with my knee, but but, but I can't remember this, this, this pain. And I asked Charles, so what will we do? He said, no, let's go and, lead, go, go and lead the race and get publicity as much as possible for our sponsors and we bail later. I said, OK, let's go. So we're running and, we're being concrete and we and we were leading the race and we, uh, at, some stage, at some stage we third and fourth and I kept on running till the halfway mark at Drummond. And I crossed Drummond. There's, there's a lot of crowds, huge crowds and I decided to stop but I thought I'm not going to stop in front of the crowds. So, I ran one kilometer faster crowd, still flying, and then sit next to the road. So, that's about 40, 46 kilometers into the race. And then, when I was sitting down for a while, I only see Vladimir Kotov and Vladimir Tolo past me. And I thought to myself, they're only coming now and they're leading the race. I'm going to run again. So, I started running again, and I fell after one kilometer now, my knee got. gone. And I gave all my energy drinks and stuff and gel that I got with me to Vladimir and I stopped, I, and I wait for the press track. And the press truck come, and I get on the press track. Charles came past, still running. He ran till 64k with the snap Keyness before he stopped. Then, um, after the race, I saw. So incidentally, Professor Temple to the finished flying and he come and examined me, and he take my patella, and he squeezed it, and it, it, it was in half. It broke in half, my knee patella. So. My patella broke at 21 kilometers and, and, and I kept on running with that and all the stress. and that is the hamming that your body takes. So I called by the guy who operated a lot on me, um, Dr. Ido Morey, and he told me flying back from commerce Sunday night to tomorrow morning at the at hospital and theater where I do right immediately. So I put three screws through my kneecap and then I my my, my my kneecap in 2004. I ran Comrades again, and I finished 44. So I saw my knee is fine, but I'm not competitive anymore. And then I stopped racing Comrades. Uh, yeah, so never stopped, there's only two races in my life that I started and I stopped. And the one is this Comrades Marathon where I where I broke my kneecap. And the other one was at a, I was a South African doathlon champion. You run 10 kilometers, then you bike uh, 60 or 40, and then you run five or 10 again, a different style. This is this. Is. Now, I was a defending champion and uh, in Bologna and ran the first five kilometer I was in the lead, and I was racing on the bike and my back uh tire came off my 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 off the rim. You you call it tubbies. You glue the tire to the rim. In the olden days they use tubbies. I, I don't know if they still use it, but I, I don't think so, but tubular, it's a tubular, you glue. The tire is a tubeless uh, tire to the rim and it came off the rim and i tell it the speed of 51 kilometers an hour work do athlon keep those years we were racing do athron like they used to race for athrons in the old days you, you you wear a speeder because you're going to swim first and a tank top the tank top is a half a vest it's not a full vest it only covered your, your base and we was racing do athron with a speedo and a tank top and I started 51 kilometers an hour with a speedo and a tank top tank top so that is the only two races in my life that I bailed and I stopped and I did
0: I'm intrigued there's one race when I think of you the runner is with you Charles and Zitilele Cinque running down Fields Hill well under three minutes okay And when you mentioned that you got to the end and you gave everything, I think if people saw you at the end of that race, there's video footage, they would pretty much attest to it. Can you – do you ever have moments – and I've asked Charles this and i asked Sean Nickeljohn this. If you took us back in time, could you – do you ever reflect on it, on that day? Do you ever just – even when you're on the bike or if you're sitting on the porch, do you ever – Rewind back to that day and freeze time. Do you do that often? And even when you won, do you do that from when you won?
1: I tell you what, I'm getting you. Can see, the head is standing on my arm. I got this <laughs> from thinking about that. I mean, it, it looked like a ostrich. Seat. My my throwbacks is normally not the day when I won. It's that days when I came second specific mm-hmm. that day when, when I was in, uh, second behind Shaw because we visualized, we, we, and I made mistakes. mistake. I made a mistake by going downfield, field, trying to get rid of it, but several times I get rid of I know uh, that Zelle is very fast and I know Shaw is a fierce competitor. So I thought of myself, I need to get away uh, from Z. And that was downfield, field, he was still representing Lele, and I throw in a two minute forty-eight second kilometer, and the next one, next one was a two minute fifty-two kilometer split, downhill. And when I hit 90, you you feel in your leg, you know. But I kept on running, and then it was gone. It came back a little bit, but but we were broken then. Shaw so came back to me, and then we had a big fight. Going up to gates, pass me four kilometers ago, and I can't believe we see on that video specific that mental preparation. Like 997, you should be there when he passed me. Uh, I also think that we didn't rehearse of the finish so much, uh, and 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 yeah, a, the nightmare is thinking about two minutes here, where did I last it. Three minutes there for the next second place. Three second places in Comrades. That's the worst position you can get in Comrades. Is second, fourth, or eleven. You don't come second. You don't come fourth because you're off the podium. You don't come second, you don't win. You don't come fourth, you're off the podium. You don't come 11 because you're out of the top 10. So that is, I'm always thinking about the second places. My win was, was, was automatically. I knew I'm going to win that day. It was just, I was just so well prepared and mainly prepared. I know I'm going to win. It was an easy one. I just run in the front, and just keep on running in the front, and the people never challenge me. But the, my second place was a real racing. I don't know if you can see at the background. I've got actually Zeta Lleyn Cinque on, on on a poster there down there uh, with Ilana she was an Olympian. We're on a Nike poster uh, just next to that cover. So yeah, that was also then I drove Zeta then when I started the club in 2000, I drove Zeta into my development. He was doing the development for us for the harmony team, Zeta Cinque. And Sal Matias, we started the club together in the year 2000. Myself, Sal Valimba Toro, 75, and uh, uh, We started the Harmony Club in 2000 And Z was part of our development uh, managers in the, uh, hell of a Good Development part. But he, he of he died in a motor accident a couple of yeah, couple of years ago. Uh,
0: you've coached some high caliber athletes. What are your methods and has that changed over the years?
1: Yeah, like uh, I explained to you now, now, in my career of running, I had six stress factors. So that is just by competitive hitting your legs on the ground really hard. I had tibia fractures, I had my knee patella broken. I had six factors. And that is the problem with ultra distance running. The training you're doing just by running is too much for the body to take. I always say stress factors is a bonus. Because you know, a bone, when you break a bone, six to eight weeks is healed. It's fixed. Mm. But if you hear a ligament, it's problems. Or you hurt mm. a ligament. Can be going on for three months, four months, five months, is year. If, if, if you get a, a one injury, a plantar fasciitis injury, that ligament under your foot, always the people, I tell them, you yes, they got a the plantar, and if you Running on an injury, you make it chronic. And if it becomes chronic, it's a long-term. So if you've got the injury, stop immediately. Let it heal, then you carry on. But the people don't do that. So coming back to the plantar fasciitis, I always tell the people, if you've got a chronic plantar fasciitis injury, it is not 11 months and 30 days to recover in one year. It's a one-year injury. You've got a chronic mm. plantar fasciitis injury. You can do everything to get it right. It does, you To break a bone is easy, but to come back running for ultra, uh, competing, uh, and training for ultra-distance races and marathons is a lot of jarring on a boat, the bones and ligaments, and and and. And I try to to supplement the training with a lot of cross-training: going to gym, cycle, swim, hike in the mountains, canoe, and and and. And still, Chara Stein ran the best time, marathon time, when she was doing this training when we supplement the running training with a lot of cross training. Hiking uh, is, is an excellent training. And all these other uh, methods of training, uh, say you, you're cycling, you limit your mileage. You limit the mileage that you have to do. You limit the uh, risk of getting injured by supplementing the training with gym, cycle, swim, canoe, hike. Um, what you're doing when you're cycling if you are a runner? You still train the heart, you're still training the much with, your, with the, muscles. You're trying the muscles, you train the muscles, you train the energy system, converting fat and teaching the body how to use fat for energy. You're doing everything except you take the jarring away from the lake, from the legs. And you and you risk the getting injured. You've got the Kenyans, you've got the Ethiopians, they're tiny, they're little, they're small. They can run kilometers without getting injured. But for the normal guy in the street, the, the, the heavier guys and so on, and even the lighter guys, if it, you can supplement your training work with, with first training, that's what I believe in, and that is how I still coach my athletes. That is what I wanted to do. Try so and get away with as little as possible of running, because there's a lot of junk miles. If you just go and jog and and, and run 10 kilometers just to, you could rather do a two or three hour cycle by doing the same thing. Putting blood through the, blood is, blood, well, oxygen is everything. You must get oxygen to the muscles. I can explain this way. You can stay 20 days without food. You can stay six days without water. But you can't stay six minutes without oxygen. Oxygen is everything. You must get oxygen to the body, to anything. Not just for recovering for for, for sport, for anything for your body to operate. You must get oxygen. Oxygen is life. That's why this recovery jocks is good, because you're getting blood flow through the body. You're getting the blood carrying oxygen. You're getting oxygen to the muscle. But instead of going for a 10K easy jog to recover, go for a two-hour cycle. You've got this, more uh, training, but you uh, limit, like I said, the jarring on the ligaments and the You muted. I can't hear you. Sorry, you're back. Irwin, no. I can't hear you. Have you got me back? No, you're back, you're back, you're back. My... Sorry, yeah.
0: <laughs> I was uh, looking at the the recreational runner and you know the developments and the changes for the recreational runner. Well obviously you must have some advice for the recreational runner. And what do you think of the common mistakes or misconceptions that you see from the recreational runner?
1: Okay, let's start with recreational runners. A lot of these runners um, start running to lose weight. Uh, One of the biggest problems in the world, South Africa, America, all over the world is Carrying too much weight and fat. And other guys decided, okay, I want to become a runner, I'm going to lose fat, and they're pushing the miles. I always start off with a recreational runner that starts to run with with a lot of hiking. Hiking first, and, and again, cycling and gymming and stuff like that to limit the miles that you do. If you go for a five kilometer or starting off with a two, three, four, five kilometer, Walk a lot of that in between. You feel like it you you, because the walking is not that impact that you got on the body. And you're still, your heart is still up, your heart rate is up, the body is still converting fat to energy, you're still losing weight. And and, so be easy on the run. Don't start, you know, go go easier. Don't get the injury. I will always tell the people as soon as you feel a needle, stop running for a couple of days. Couple of days that is healed. you can you can cross-train and then you start slowly again. If you keep running on an injury, you become chronic. Chronic injury is eight to twelve weeks. Got so and that also, yeah. So the regression is start easy with running. Running is a daring sport. Gradually build it up. Try to lose weight. Um you can diet, but what I always tell my top elite athletes, if they come to me like elite athletes. And they want me to coach them and to to, to to train them. They I hate it when they diet to lose weight. A lead runner must train to lose weight. Recreational runner must first lose weight, then he can train on. But elite runners mustn't go onto a diet because you already got the body uh, weight that you want. Now you must eat proper and eat because that is your fuel. That is your energy. That's your mineral that your that's your vitamins. So rather trying to lose weight, elite runner don't die to lose weight because you need that I can see, I can tell you good examples. Top elite lady in South Africa that I don't want don't want to mention the name. After a race, She was really a top in South Africa, and me and myself and herself and Bruce Price was doing a 50 kilometer. Uh, we're running as celebrities at uh, Loskop Price. And the morning we wake up early, you don't eat a lot, in the bus, drink a cup of coffee, run the race, uh, she ran hard, I think she won the race, and, and then afterwards, a lot of media, and, and so it's around two o'clock in the afternoon, we wake up four o'clock, and we haven't eaten, and I tell her, oh, I'm not so hungry, I want to eat, and we stop on our way back to Victoria to order a meal. Now, what does she order? A green salad. And that's wrong. Yeah. You know <laughs> me and myself and Bruce was digging into the hamburgers and chips and, and all over stuff. So, so what that is one mistake the lead runners do, especially the ladies. I want to wait as little as possible. Because I look at the Kenyans and the Ethiopians. Don't do that. You are better runner, especially a marathon and upwards, ultra. You need muscle. You need muscle. And if you if if you restrict your body, while you're deep planning lead runner will Foods and and, and stuff like that, and and diets, then your risk of getting a stress factor is much higher. And that's normally what happens to the ladies. You get stress factors, heat factors, and then they're gone. And Um, I think from the
0: training aspect, you know, like a lot of runners, recreational runners think to run faster, run more, or run more faster. And it's almost like, well, actually, maybe if you ran a bit less and slowed down a bit, you might end up running faster come race day. Especially for ultra races, you know, Oceans and Comrades. People end up turning up there pretty much cooked. And then by even 40k, it's race over. And they try and wonder why. But if you went back two months, you could see that their Comrades was over in end of March, April.
1: That's true. That's true. And, and, and also, Elite Runners doing too many fast races before their Comrades. You must, you must save all your energy the last, especially specific a marathon. Like a lot of it review. Then they try to see if in shape and then uh, four weeks or five weeks before Comrades, they ran a hard marathon to see their in shape and that marathon sits in your Comrades day. So you can't race long distance races the last three months before Comrades. You must really, really, really save yourself for that specific day. You can run short races, 10K, 15K yes, Maximum 21. That is a month before the time. Uh, otherwise, you, 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 you your body, like I said, you, the, the damage you cause by running uh, sits in your legs and your muscles and your and You need that on the race back. You must peak for race back. You must save your mental energy. I, I can put it this way. How you use your mental energy is like a bath full of water that will your pluck or your, your bar pluck, what you call it. But any case, every time you race a very hard race, you empty that valve a little bit. You pull out the pluck and some water's running out. And and, 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 and and you do that too often. Your racing mm-hmm. energy is gone. You only got a certain amount of, 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 of racing energy in your mind where you can where you can really hurt yourself in a race. And it's like a tub full of water. If you empty it, empties, it's empty. It's gone. I always uh, take it back this way. Runners that start very late in their career can carry on for much longer. If they start at the age of 50, you can see runners performing or 40. They perform late in their career. They're running at 60. They're still running good, good time. But runners starting at an age too young, like children, starting too young, too long, too fast, too soon but only last 10 years and they got gone. That's only oh, what you can do. Save your writing because it's so It's so it hurts to run a, a, a fast or a hard race. And that is mental energy you tap out of your, your mind. Save that for later. Uh, and I always joke that when you're at school and you win a race, your mother, your father, your granddad and your uh, headmaster knows about it. Uh, when you're winning a race at, at elite level, then uh, on a, a major race, then the whole country knows about it. So don't push the children, don't, don't hurt the children, don't push them to be competitive, uh, specializing in one sport in their school. Let them enjoy it, do all the sports, and, and, and don't, don't, don't specifically uh, concentrate on one sport and do it. You, you, you're not going to last. Uh, you may be the, the under 17, 15-nanometer uh, champion. But if you push too much hard when you're a child in training and racing, you empty your mental energy, uh, energy, and you're gone by age very much.
0: I've got a couple more. I know that you, you're a very busy man. And my next question… Well, so, you yeah, your role with NetBank team. Um... How, I suppose, did that come about? You're moving into the management side, the admin side. Uh, it looks like you love it. Uh, it looks like you really do live and breathe it. Do you want to tell us a bit about it and what you see for the future and even growing the interest internationally?
1: Yeah, I was, I was lucky. You know, I will say that my hobby, when I started to run, become my job. So I started to get uh, companies sponsoring me, paying me a salary, retainers. But I kept on working. I still work. I still train in the mornings, go to work, train in the afternoons. Uh, Except when I'm training for Ironman, heavy heavy weeks, Uh, I take a nap in the afternoon and and I took a nap and so on and so on. But my hobby became my job. And now my job became my hobby but i'm still financially uh, well off with that uh, i love to coach i love to mentor i love what i'm doing that's my passion um i am yeah uh, and and i love to support myself i love to be competitive not competitive but i love to train i love to be healthy i love to be fit i challenge myself i um, cycle with youngsters every day and i i, I like to competitive with them so, um, yeah, I think I've got the know-how how to attack sponsors, because I always say no money, no fun. You need, you need money to do everything. And I think I'm very well equipped to, to draw sponsors and I can believe and in the, uh, giving them the results. And they can trust, uh, build up a trust between the sponsors. And, and we signed up with HeadBank, so 2025 with all the other sponsors. They uh, always follow when Melon, they follow suit when NetBank is in. So we've got Bavaria, Thirsty Water, Nike, uh, Future Life, uh, um, yeah, we'll look out, uh, Bavaria, Future Life, Nike, Bio And the uh, NetBank, and we we, we're going strong. It's just that economically wise, everything is just so much more expensive. The amount of money you used to get 10 years ago, you can't do the same at the moment. So it's, it's, it's tough. And, and, and what I also do is, I've got a lot of coaches that financially getting um, paid by me, my weekly sport, a lot of committee members, a lot of athletes, and, and, and so they're dependent on me. So I see myself as I have to do this to, 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 to make sure that some people are not out of the job and some people uh, are dependent on me. And so I love to to, to be able to supply them with their livelihoods uh, financially to help me running this big machine. Because, you know, we've got 12 clubs in South Africa. We've got four clubs in Africa. we uh, communicating, we bring in international athletes, and, 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 and I can do it by myself. I've got a great and a strong team behind me that helping me for years. All the people that started the club with me way back in 2000 most of the people are still on committee of the club in South Africa. I think about uh, Cape Town, Port Elizabeth, Victoria, uh, Durban, all those people that are running the club are still with, with, with me. So uh, it's, it's, it's great to be part of this big machine and I'm on top of it and, and make sure that the wheels is, is, is rolling.
0: And then, are you excited to see the amount of international um, runners start returning? and I think, you know, even the international elites, uh, were you so happy to see them come back this year and then how do you educate them? Do you just say, hey here's information or do you wait for them to come to you with questions?
1: Okay, firstly, yes, I'm very satisfied that there was so much top elite internationals back in in the commerce this year. I was glad about commerce that could manage to put on a big show. There was a couple of mishaps, you know, but a cut of time and and, and but there's other stories behind. But at the end of the day, the Commerce Marathon board and the race director put up a big show this year, a good show. Mm-hmm. I'm happy for that. I was worried about that because I don't want this race to go down and disappear a couple of it is now hundred years going, we want it to go another uh, another hundred years. And 1st and I'm glad that the NASAs and the internationals came back and look at this place And everybody was happy. There was a record broken. And, 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 and because commerce itself is struggling with sponsors, they were also financially in, in, in a bad position. And, and I think they're much better off now. The price money increased again. A lot of runners um, was not happy with the price money a couple, last year, and the year before that. So, well, last year, August. For a couple of years, after it was COVID, and so I'm I'm, I'm glad to see that the race is back. Uh, coming back to the runners, how uh, when I'm getting international runners, they tell me which race is going to do, and I advise them, and I give them advice, and I train some of them. Some of them like um, um, Catherine um Catherine, Catherine J Jennings, and and, and were my training programs before, and I help them with training programs if they want help, and I advise them like Joe Fukudu. I told him, Joe, he told me he's going to run this uh, world uh, for wings For wings for life, yeah. I told him not to do that because he's going to, to film it on a race day. And then also, he wants to do another 100K after that. I told him not to do that. So, Joe could have been top three, I'm sure. He could not if he didn't win uh, that 72 kilometer worldwide. Uh, the same with, with, with um, Pete Wiesma. Okay, second, I told him, you can't run that 100 kilometers. You know, he ran 100 kilometers a couple of weeks before comrades. They were going for the world record. And he was still leading at 72 kilometers at world record 100 kilometers time, and he stopped. So if he kept on running, he would have been done so good in comrades. And if he didn't run that race, I'm sure he could have won the comrades' marathon. So I advised him, and I tell them, and some of them listen. But you know, like I, I think, you believe in yourself, you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I help them where I can. I, I give them advice where I can. If they want to listen, if they want to take their advice, I help them more. If they don't want to, they still come and they show us what they can do. But uh, gladly we've got top internationals back in the race. Uh compare I don't want to break down on the anarchy with the world championship. But the commerce it's, it's a much bigger race, right? much more competitive. You know, if you're looking at, 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 at the packs with like running at the same speed and then the leading pack, uh, and, you, and you compare it to the leading pack at World 100 Km, they a huge difference. So I still see uh, commerce as, as the ultra-distance world championship of the world.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of the internationals and the ones that I've spoken to uh, that have been in part of your team they're so amazed at the team atmosphere you know they're used to individual sports and going one out by themselves to a race but they come into this camp where it's a team and yes there's a team within teams you know you might have the dave adams team but they're within a team and but they're still amazed that the ability to have everybody come together and form this team like is that something that you've worked really hard on as well
1: yeah, I think it can naturally you know um, and there, there, there is you know uh, to 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 get sponsors on board and to get the team going really well and co- cooperate and so on. you we are or I would say we a team we're not individual if you individual um, some athletes I would say as soon as they start doing well, they becoming, I call them prima donnas. But I just think they the only one, they the only one that, uh, that, 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 uh, need to get attention. They're the only one that needs to get shoes. They're the only one that needs to get money. But how I'm thinking is, you become a top athlete and you're there for three to ten years. Then you go, the team must carry on. Mm-hmm. And, People have gone. Elite athletes have come. They compete with us. They win the race. Uh, we pay them incentives and, and become a prima donna. And then they distance from them from the team. And then we let them go, or, or, or they just feel uncomfortable in the team anymore. It's not all about winning. You're so much stronger to be a team. Yes, if you're individual, you can win the race. But in a team context, you you it's much easier to win the second team behind you, you've got the sponsor behind you, you've got all your other buddies that's in the same mind, and you supporting you. You can see uh, Teta and Edward, they're, they're buddies, they're friends, they help each other in the race, specifically last year. You know, all three of them running together, and, and came in one, two, three in the race. Weird team. But unfortunately, there is some athletes that become come to Madonna's and then we rather step away from them. Although they're good athletes, they still performing well for two, three years later but we know they're not gonna last. But we can't sacrifice and losing interest in the other runners while we just concentrate on this one specific athlete. So everybody is important for us in the team. Uh, we treat everybody the same. We don't treat one better than the other. Like that, you know, you know like Edward, he was a winner a few years ago. He's not a winner anymore, but he's very important for us. He's the father of the team. And, <clears> and, and, and we pretty well Claude Mashiwa, who won in 2013. He's still coming through our townhouse. If we need him, he will be there. He, he know that we helped him through the years, through the years when he was a competitor, but he was a winner in 2030. And that's what we want. We want a, that's a team effort. It's not an individual effort, that uh, keep this whole machine going forward.
0: And then my second to last question, you know, people will say, oh, the Kenyans and the Ethiopians aren't going to comrades and they're dabbling in oceans um is that like a frontier that you think is going to explode sometime soon the japanese now with joe fakuda um and then there was another one in 2019 who came along do Um, you do you uh, think um the name actually escaped me then too do you think like the two markets are going to explode
1: um okay that's how I'm thinking, it's not to say this is how it is. If I'm looking at a commerce athlete, he's a little bit differently built than a Kenyan in ethiopian a- a You carry a little bit more muscle, you carry, let's take Dan Michalowik. Uh He came this year, he was, well, he, he, he was second in, uh, 12, he, he was third in commerce last year. When he came yeah. to me, I saw he's got potential because he was stocky, uh, but a little bit overweight. I told him to lose weight, uh, a little bit of weight, and I, but, but I could see he's both. He was built like a cobra athlete that I like. You want a strong athlete. Uh, you could you accept could, uh, exceptions that's different. Um, so, get me back to the Kenyans and the Europeans, you, your body also, your muscles is, the more muscle you've got, the more muscle glycogen and, and carbohydrates stuff you can carry in the muscles. So I, I I I I still believe maybe the Kenyans and the Ethiopians, they tried a lot. You know, they our own South Africans. Mark Brightis, two oh eight marathon runner. He tried comrades two to three times, we never succeed. Uh Johnny Harbastart, 209 marathon runner. Uh he never won comrades. He tried his best. And all of them are very thin and Tiny boat, very good for marathons. Uh, uh, so my mind at this stage thinks no, we 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 mm. you need a, a different kind of body, a uh, stronger. It's not about speed. Commerce is not about speed. Uh, we take head face. We tried commerce. You were speaking about commerce. Uh, you, and I don't know if you know head face, but you can stop marathons, think Africa, works well out everything. And he comes to comments, easy sub five. He's going to run sub five yeah. hours for the comments. Easy, easy, Jogging. And I, I, I wonder if he finished comments. Uh, I never finished comments. He tried several years. No,
0: he changed his shoes about four times in his last one. <laughs> and then that yeah. was it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's a different kind of athlete. It's not to say if a good marathon athlete, you run a good comment. Different mental attitude. You must, you must, your mental energy must last twice as long as a marathon athlete. Nearly three really times as long because marathon you ran in two hours, two hours five, or two hours ten. Five and a half hours of hard grinding mental stuff, body. It's a, different, it's a different kind of body. So let's see, maybe I'm improving wrong in future, but uh, not at the moment. We try to invite them, and they they also can't see their way to to run so fast or so hard.
0: Mm, I do think the Japanese market might be interesting just with their interest in the 100K. As well you know like that's where i think there could be a bit of interest and we know that once they get into look at the marathon world it'll also be interesting to see how they attack comrades because the way they attack the marathon (laughs) isn't your traditional just sit back and let it happen it's we're going after it and then 50 might be in the lead pack and 10 might finish so that would be interesting to see what what it happens to the traditional sense of the way the race is conducted. But
1: yeah, I think the Japanese, because they strongly built as well. The, the guy that me and you can't get onto his name now, he came 13 comrades one year. Mm-hmm. And he's an extra, he was a world, ex-world 100k champion You must see both. He's strong. His legs is strong. What is his name? Then? Um, well, I know yeah.
0: Yuki Kawachi's brother was earmarked to run uh, comrades as well. So those are the type of runners that you probably do you do get some interest in but yes, you know absolutely. we're going to remember this name as soon as we finish no, recording yeah. we'll remember the name but it, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, my last question nick is um if you had a message to your younger self what would it be
1: oh uh, yeah yeah it's, it's, <laughs> i must think deep now deep now uh, Yeah, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one, except for not coming second in commerce. (laughs) (laughs) You should have pushed harder somewhere. Don't come second in commerce. Yeah, Yeah.
0: and the name we escaped us is now Kazami.
1: Now Kazami, yeah. He was supposed to come this year. He, he, he He was on our list. And then one stage he was doable he's probably built i like his legs and i like his legs uh, his so he can do well uh
0: yeah yeah well also thanks so much it. for your time we'll have to extend we'll have to do episode two maybe next year in durban around june uh maybe over a couple of red wines and a steak but um we'll, yeah. uh, we'll do episode two and i appreciate it thanks so much for your time ah. i know the listeners do and Uh, They always like listening to someone talk about years gone by. So I appreciate you sharing some of your story.
1: Thank you very much. Goodbye.